Ciao ragazzi and welcome to another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio Told Like It Is. I'm Frank Crivello, he's Richard Carmen. Ciao Richard. Ciao Frank, how are we doing on this uh, Thursday night? We're Thursday it's a now? Thursday, it's yeah. Thursday. We, we, right. thought we'd, uh, we thought we would change it up. We thought we would uh, have a full slate of Azzurri games to try and digest. So yeah. we, uh, we held off until Thursday. We were trying to give the... Uh, Calcio Twitter heads out there a little more time to come up with some who won Calcio Twitter nominees. We don't have as deep uh, a, uh, a pool this time around, but we got some decent ones. They were on international uh, break. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's guy and guys taking siestas and 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 all that all that fun stuff. So um, it's uh, it's it's what it is. But that's not going to stop us from having a lot to talk about uh, yeah. here on this edition as we get ready to resume. Um, we have that to talk about. Uh, we obviously will have some who won Calcio Twitter. We do have some nominees. We will go through those. Uh, we will also talk about the first Champions League games uh, coming up for our uh, Serie A teams participating. Um, and we have some Atsuri recap, but we will start uh, with the decision that came down yesterday by the sporting judge um, uh, on the uh, appeal that Napoli uh, was hoping for. Uh, with the decision for Juventus to uh, be awarded a 3-0 forfeit win by the league for Napoli following the guidelines that their city demanded them to um, and uh, doing the right thing and not infecting everybody and uh, not refu- and, and it, it refusing to travel to Juventus. They tried to appeal it, and the sporting judge looked at it and said, well, you're, you're appealing against Juventus and you're not police. So not only are you, is this 3-0 <laughs> result going to stand, we're going to dock you a point. <laughs> no sue for you. Yeah. Oh my that's goodness. like, you know, that's like, that's like, you know, it's, it, that's like what here in the States, what Major League Baseball should do if like, or no, let's say the NFL, that yeah. if, you know, a rookie gets suspended for four games for violating the league's substance abuse policy, for example, and then he wants to appeal it. And you should say, well, you're a rookie. Let's let's make it six games then if you're going to be a dick. So and that's kind of how the judge did this. And that's just that's path- that really is pathetic, um, you know, to, you know, an appeal shouldn't this this is absurd. An appeal shouldn't mean of further punishment you're appealing yeah. a decision that was already handed down nobody made nobody took a decision prior to this that napoli should be docked a point he's like you're wasting my time you're docked a point yeah <laughs> my goodness yeah it's uh according to the judge uh he said that uh um the judge from Syria ruled that the force majeure, the legal term for an extraordinary event of circumstances beyond any party's control did not exist in this case uh, he continued on by saying that uh, Napoli's impediment from traveling to Turin was evident only on the day of the match, but that club had already decided in days prior that they were not going to attend. So he was basically saying uh, what the uh, ASL and, and, and the Campania region had said that you know they, they strongly recommended against travel, but it wasn't until the day of travel, which was that Saturday, that they said, nope, no travel is allowed. And so that, the judge is saying, well, they had plenty of days before that to, to travel. It was actually the only, the only day that they really had a, a ban on traveling was that Saturday. 
But be realistic here. I mean, teams don't travel until the night before their match and an away match. I mean, yeah. you want your players staying in their own home, sleeping in their own beds, and having their own routines for as long as you possibly can before you have to make that trip. It's you know, especially in a in a in 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 a country like Italy, which is the size of a state like Illinois or something like that. When you're trying to put it into perspective, and you know, there's not second wave too. You know, right? It's it's not. In, ex in excessive amount of travel, um, you know. So w why are Napoli going to leave and go to Turin three days before their scheduled match, and then have to adapt to a totally, you know, different routine or be forced into a totally different routine? I'm not. I, I don't buy that explanation. I don't buy that opinion. I just don't. Like, how how would how would Napoli know that it was on that Saturday it was going to be canceled? Like, how do they exactly, know? exactly, exactly. How do you, you know, how do, how do they know? I mean, it's the, the whole thing stinks. The whole thing is weird, um, you know, and, and we can talk about this in terms of uh, Juve privilege and all of that other stuff. But what this has done, what this is, what this ruling has essentially done is it has told the rest of the league. Um, if you have 13 players who are testing negative, Pack up and make your trip and go play. Yeah, yeah. you exactly. know, exactly. and and they're and they're setting a precedent in an effort to make sure that they play the games and they get it in. I still think that I still think that there should have been some degree of flexibility to exercise some common sense. That if there was some kind of an outbreak, if there's an issue here, there's an issue there. That you have to be sensitive to that, and then maybe breach protocol. Uh, for specific cases, I felt with Napoli being exposed to Genoa, Genoa having an outbreak, I felt that this was one of those sensitive cases um, and Napoli were right in not traveling. And then obviously the, when they could travel, they were told they couldn't, um, you know, so they stayed home and they followed their, they followed the ordinances or whatever it is. So yeah. it's just, it, it stinks to get punished for, did you, you hear know, what the uh, the governor of Campania said? Uh, his name is Vincenzo De Luca. Uh, he said he called Juventus' actions embarrassing. He said the protocols mean nothing when weighted against the law and public health. Um, and, you know, he's got a point to an extent. You know, if you look at it, if you take, you know, feelings away, you look at how it is, uh, the, 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 every, all the teams did agree to, you know, yeah. uh, you know the cer certain protocol that has to happen, 13 players, like you said, you know, as long as you have 13 players, you can still play the game. Right. Um, and so from that aspect, I can see why Juve's like, well, that's what the law says, and I, I uh, taking take away all the feelings of how I actually think. You know, based on that, Juve did what they were supposed to do, uh, and if you took if you took just based on that face value yeah. like that, Napoli maybe should have traveled. Yeah. But but you know the way I actually feel, I I, I think uh, first of all a loss and then a docking of points was ridiculous. Um, and I and I know there's, there's a lot of parties that say that no, that's that's a perfectly fine result by the judge. Uh, even the docking, they should have docked more points. I don't know. I don't feel that way. I think I think Napoli were gypped on that. Um, you know, we were talking this about this last podcast how Agnale and, and Juventus could have came on a better light to the rest of Syria if they said, you know what, yeah, we agree. This is this is something they should probably back off of and let's just hold it off. But uh, on the other hand, did they really have to? No. Do they have to? No. They don't. They probably don't care what the rest of the league care, thinks about them. You know, they're, it's probably not going to change much. So they're like, you know what, we're just going to go with the law says, but the protocol says that we all agree to. So I can see both sides to it. And then, you know, 
that's kind of what the judge is saying too. But doesn't this just because it, it is what the law and protocol states doesn't mean we have to agree with it. And I know majority of people do not agree with it. You know, I mean, and I think that it's just because it's largely because it just defies any any level of common sense uh, here. And then on top of that, you know, you're appealing a decision. You shouldn't get a further punishment. I mean, you know, a docking, docking a point should not have been in play. This should have been about the decision that was rendered by Serie A and Lega Calcio. There should not have been additional punishment here. Um, that's at least the way, you know. Only, the only thing I can think of is that there's there's precedent stating where teams didn't show up for a game and they automatically docked them a point, and maybe that's how he looked at it too, maybe just from a legal standpoint. This is what's happened in the past. This is what I'm going to do now. Uh, I don't know. I know I, I saw a quote by uh, Agnale talking about, he was talking about um, talking about De Laurentiis, and he said, uh, Napoli, Napoli President De Laurentiis sent me a message, and I replied that we, as always, abide by the rules. Uh, and so he wanted to postpone the match, but we have gone. We have regulations that and, and that tell us how to proceed. Every industry has its rules, and we need to respect them. I don't think the ASL of Naples can intervene in the FIGC FIGC protocol. And that that last part, I don't know if I agree with that because I, I would think that the local laws or laws in general would supersede a league. That's just yep. me. I mean, I would think if if the United States came out and said no traveling around, NFL can't go ahead and keep traveling and, and playing the games. That's what I would think, but. Right. I don't know. I don't know enough about this to fully argue either side, I guess. You would think ordinances and you would think law would be would prevail over over a league. Yeah. You know, the league is not law. Yeah. So it's it's so bizarre, but it is set a precedent for what they have to do. And the fun part is, and I said this when it happened, when now Ronaldo is COVID positive, Weston McKenney is COVID positive. Uh, and they have to travel to Cortone. And the, the immediate thing when I saw the Weston McKinney news was I said, Juventus better still better still travel their asses to Cortone because if they don't, all hell is just really going to break loose here. Well, so. it's funny. well I don't know about funny, but just before the Azzurri's first, I think it was the first game against uh, Poland or maybe it was a game against Netherlands, a bunch of the Juventus players were saying, oh, they're, they're not allowed to leave out of Turin. They're supposed to stay because of this, the COVID stuff. And it was like, people were like, hmm. I know no no uh, Juventus players played in the first game with Poland, I believe. And I think mm -hmm. that's because of the travel ordinances or whatever in turn. But yeah, it's yeah, that's that's that is actually yeah. true because I'm looking at well, no, Bonucci was there in the first game. Against, yeah, against Poland. Oh, okay. Yeah, Bonucci played, and um, well, I know people are complaining about that. You know, so let me just look at their substitutes bench. Uh, Chiellini was on the bench. So they were there. Um, you know, it's yeah, so it's interesting. But yeah, it's uh it's just it's it's one of those crazy things, but it, they they've set the precedent now and they have set the tone. And everybody's gonna have to follow this, even Juventus. If they get into a situation, if you've got thirteen players and if it might if it's if it's Pillow's thirteen worst players, tough shit. You need to make the trip. Yeah. You know, because if the second that something changes. And I, I think we're gonna have two sides no matter what. It's gonna be the the legal legally, Juventus is right. Right. Um, and but you know, based on everything else, everybody else thinks Napoli's right. So it's right. However you want to look at it. So, you know, let's see. I know that uh, our friend out in Australia, Frank, thinks that this isn't going to be the only three nil forfeit and docked point. He he thinks there'll be at least a few others. We'll see how the season goes, and we'll see how the clubs react to the opinion that the judge rendered. Um, you know, I again, I. You want to uphold the three 0 That's fine. I I don't think the docked point should have been in play because that wasn't in the original ruling. But it, you know, but yeah, 
I, I have a lot of family that are lawyers and I know enough to be dangerous. I never went to law school. Um, that's at least what I would have suspected the judge would have done. I was not ready for any additional punishment. And I'm sure Napoli fans weren't either. So, yeah. 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 So we'll, uh, we'll have to see what happens, but, um, and you know, the Darby della Madonina, this is going to shape what's going on with that game. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So, but yeah. let's change gears and talk at Um, they had that feel good against Moldova, uh, you know, to get things started. Um, you know, it was a, a you know a promising performance. Uh, you know, it stirred up some things, and uh, you know, and so forth to prepare them for these Nations League games against Poland and Netherlands. <clears throat> and uh, they opened up against Poland, Richard. They played a you know it's it's um, it's Roberto Mancini, and he plays a four three three, and he ran out with Donnarumma in goal. Uh, played a back four of Florenzi, Bonucci, Acerbi, and Palmieri. Um, he went uh, midfield of Nicolo Barrera, uh, Jorginho, and uh, Marco Verratti, and then a front three, uh, Andrea Bellotti leading the attack and flanked by Federico Chiesa and Lorenzo Pellegrini. Um, thoughts on the lineup? I mean, the obvious glaring thing, and the one thing that I'll say from watching the Netherlands game, I think over the course of these two games, and one of the underlying themes that a lot of people really didn't talk about, Lorenzo Insigne was sorely missed. He certainly was. Uh, I think Pellegrini did did well in both games, I thought, but I think they're missing that piece. Like you said, Lorenzo Insigne was, was sorely missed, I think. Um, you know, Zuri fans can't wait to get him back on the pitch there. Uh, but, you know, for the for the most part, I think the the defense and midfield, certainly midfield, uh, are looking good. I think, you know, Italy is almost there. They're, they're a striker away, a, a, a consistent striker, a striker who can score away from being a really good team and a really a deep threat into euros uh so you know wrapping up nations league and we get to see all three strikers this this week um and uh, when i saw this lineup i was like okay let's see what Belotti can do i mean it's every every striker should get their chance uh we obviously knew we're gonna see immobile in the next game more than likely because caputo started the last game and uh yeah so I, you know I was, I was interested to see chiesa as well um i was curious about that one but you know um overall i thought it was a, a pretty solid team happy to see a chair be back there with bonucci yeah, uh, at least at least an anchor back there to help Bonucci out, uh, and Emerson uh, on the left back. He didn't do too bad. Blonde hair, blonde hair, just without. <laughs> this game ended nil nil. Um, yeah. Italy had sixty one percent of the possession in this game with sixteen shots, just two on target. So, yeah. uh, Fabianski was not troubled. Um, you know, looking at the poll, I mean, real quick on the Poland side, uh, a very, in, very encouraging sign for them and a very encouraging sign for Serie A and for Calgary. Really good game from Sebastian Velukovic. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. playing there on the back line. There's a reason why Belotti and then followed by Caputo were very ineffective. Um, you know, so having him back there, having his familiarity, you know, he didn't do, you know, he blocked a couple shots and he, he won a couple of interceptions. He didn't win any tackles, uh, you know, but he was good in the air. Um, you know, he helped them keep the ball a little bit. They were under a lot of pressure. I mean, Italy pressed Poland. They forced them into some mistakes. Um, but uh, that was one of the things, at least from the Poland side, from a city, is in terms of banging the drum for Serie A that I took, uh, was seeing Velukovic playing well. Um, What's amazing to me with, with Poland is uh, Fabianski was in goal. And I'm, I'm thinking, why is Fabianski in goal? You look on the bench, you had Skorupski, you had Szczesny, you had uh, Dragovic. Dragowski, excuse me. You're like those are three freaking quality Syria goaltenders. Why? Why is Fabianski in there? I don't. But you know, whatever. 
Poland does whatever they need to do. It obviously didn't need the other goalies because uh, uh, they weren't troubled too much. I think the thing that stood out for me both at halftime and at, and at full time was, to me, it seemed, and at least from the, that, that game alone, that Belotti and Chiesa were not starter material for the Azzurri. Um, Belotti really didn't trouble the defense at all or Fabianski all game long. Chiesa kept having issues all game long, he, and he recovered himself nicely in the next, second game. But both those guys look out of their element, and I think you know Pellegrini was doing a decent enough job, but um, the, the midfielders were doing their part trying to feed them to as best they could, and those guys just couldn't get open, couldn't do anything worth uh, uh, worth a darn to, to 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 trouble Fabianski. And I thought you know those two, or certainly Belotti, is probably not going to be the answer for the Azzurri in terms of striker based on that game alone. If I had to pick a man of the match from this game, it was Marco Verratti. Yeah, he was good in that. He was really good in that game, I thought, for sure. Yeah. Um, I thought, uh, you know, he dictated things, passed well, created chances, got people involved. Um, and uh, for some reason, Poland had him as a danger man, too, because they hacked him five times. Yeah. Um, and it's like this guy, he's not, he's not like he's a, you know, he's, you know, he's not like, uh, Jack Grealish and Aston Villa in, in the Premier League who gets like fouled like 12 times a game. This isn't a guy that can run away from you or anything like that. This yeah. is a passer, you yeah. know, so I don't, I didn't understand Poland's game plan for wanting to try to cut down Verratti where, you know, a passer, you don't have to try to cut down a passer. You just got to limit his options. Yep. You know, um, a, a guy that's going to be a little bit trickier and, and, and be able to run at you and cause some problems. Now that's a guy you're going to probably try and cut down. Right. Um, so that I found that I found that interesting that he got fouled that many times in this game. Um, but, uh, you know, but it's what it is. Uh, and but then, it, you know, Robert Lewandowski uh, was, you know, in the collective back pockets of Leonardo Benucci and Francesco Acerbi. A lot of that's driven yep. by the fact that Poland didn't see much of the ball here. So there really wasn't it's not like a, a Bayern Munich game where he is just going to get chance after chance <laughs> after chance. Yeah. You know, this is a Poland team that plays much, much different. They don't play high line. They don't press. They don't force you into mistakes and that sort of thing. They absorbed, you know, and try to go the other way. And uh, that played well into in for Italy. And it made and, and, and those tactics make Lewandowski a non-factor. Yep, I think so. And I think I, I think Poland really didn't start like turning up a gear until Carol Annetti came into the match um, and kind of added another ele- element for them. Um, and it's not like Poland has some slouches. They have some really good players on their team. And I thought that the, being able to um, basically null and void the best striker in the world uh, says a lot about the defense there. You got you to gotta give a Cherby credit. You got to give Bonucci credit and even Verratti to an extent and Jorginho. Uh, being able to basically take him out of the game and, and worry about the rest of the 10 players on the pitch. Uh, fabulous job defensively by Mancini's men. Sure, sure. So nil-nil draw there. Um any other any other thoughts on this? I mean, I thought that it was a no. uh, yeah, you're, like you said, Chiesa is not starter material. I mean, there's not much impact from him in this one. Um, the pairing of Benucci and Nacherbi, as you mentioned, was really good. Um, I thought the fullbacks, eh, yeah. um, you know, it wasn't terribly inspiring. Florenzi wasn't happy about you know. Um, I didn't think he did that great in that game, but yeah. I'll look at it, what happened in, with him in this game. Um, Won a couple of tackles, uh, just two crosses. I mean, in a game when you get 61% possession, you need more from your fullbacks. Uh, you need more width. Um, you know, Palmieri made himself 
a little bit more dangerous. Uh, Emerson, that is, I think, yeah. and uh, I think he had a chance on target there. He was one, one of the he had he had one of the two chances on target, and I think that's the other indictment right now. And I think that this is going to be a recurring theme with Azuri with the Azuri attack. You only got two chances on target. Uh, only one of them came from your center striker. The other one came from your left back. Yeah, and that's that's part of why I thought that Belotti looked like a very poor fit in that match uh, for the Azuri because he just couldn't. And in, in Serie A, he's a fantastic striker. He's a fantastic player, but he just can't figure it out in the four-three-three system. Yeah, he's probably played in his career, but uh, did not look good at all. Neither did Kays in that match. Sure. So nil-nil. Um, you know, and I think that uh, given the possession and the chances, Italy's got to look at that as two points dropped. Yep. Um, you know, Poland. Uh, Poland came to park the bus. They did just that, and, and Italy didn't look terribly threatening. So. You know, on the whole, relatively disappointing to not come away with with three points there. So, yeah. Um, moving on, uh, there were actually goals in the Italy Netherlands game. Yeah, there, there actually were. Uh, it was an interesting game. Uh, you know, first look at the lineups for uh, for both teams. Uh, for the Azzurri, uh, obviously Donnarumma was going to be in goal. Then they had a back four of um, the Ambrosio, Bonucci again, Chiellini, and Spinazzola, who was an improvement over Emerson. Uh, midfield, you had Barella, Jorginho, and Verratti. And then front three of Chiesa, Immobile, and Pellegrini. Uh, Frank, what'd you make of this lineup? Uh, you know, obviously we thought Immobile was starting this game after seeing Caputo and um, Belotti getting starts in, for their games, respectively. So, uh, what'd you think about this lineup? Again, uh, pretty much, pretty fairly similar, minus the wingbacks and um, and Immobile. What'd you what'd you think of it? Yeah, and Chiellini too. Oh yeah, and Chiellini. Yes, um, but uh, it's 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 the lineup I expected to see. Uh, coming out with what was available to Mancini right. uh, for this game, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't terribly surprising. Um, what I was interested in was how Holland was going to come out with the personnel that they came out with, and that they were going to come out in a three. They came out in a three five two, which is a departure from what they had been doing. Um, yeah. You know, and, and Frank De Boer coming in and trying to change things up a little bit and using this game to do that, I thought would give Italy a little bit of an edge because by and large there's one or two guys in this team that maybe regularly play in a three, five, two for their club. That's hot to bore and uh Depay. You see some, sometimes you see some three man defenses with Leon, um, you know, so where, where they know what they're doing. Most of these guys are all born of uh, some, some four man, def- you know, four man defenses, whether it's four, four, two, whether it's four, three, three, you know, so it was interesting to me to see how Netherlands would, would get on with this and if Italy would try to take advantage of maybe some lack of familiarity uh with yeah. with how they did this but and this uh, is a big game for the, the Aranyi too cuz uh, Frank de Boer has not been playing the, the Netherlands have not been playing well under Frank de Boer um it was a pretty strong squad in my opinion i mean Selison and goal like you mentioned uh the the it was nice to see him play the Vrij with Van Dijk and and, and Aki uh then you had in the midfield five, you know, hot the board, like you mentioned, obviously Serie A experience, Donny Van de Beek, Frankie de Jong, Wijnaldum, Daily Blind. Uh, and then up top, you know, Luke de Jong and Depay were going to probably cause trouble, at least what I thought in the onset. Um, two guys are, who are dangerous, one in the air, one on the ground. Um, so I was curious to see how the Azzurri would let us stack up against them. And it was uh, it was certainly a, a chess match, so to speak, Um I think that the I think Netherlands play a lot better than than I expected. I thought yeah, Zuri should be able to run the midfield in this game, but um, not exactly what we saw. Totally, I guess. Um, 
the idea with Depay and DeYoung, you got Depay can can just play with all sorts of range. You know, at one moment he's on the left, another moment he's on the right, and then DeYoung can stay central and he can stay high. Um, and he can get service, whether it comes from Depay, whether it comes from uh, Blint and Hatibor coming forward or, or, or through the midfield three. Um, you know, so that was gonna that's gonna ask this this back line some questions. Yeah. Um I think when you have someone like a De Young, I think that makes the job a little bit easier for a Bonucci and Chiellini because you know what you're going to get with a central striker like that who's, you know, maybe a little more static. Um you know the runs are going to be relatively predictable, so he's pretty easy to pass off. It's the pie that would would create the challenges, um, yep. you know. And and can he pull him apart enough where it's where De Jong now finds the spaces? Whether he gets on the blind side, you know, if Chiellini's off chasing the pie, is De Jong going to get on the blind side of Bonucci, which is very easy to do. Bonucci allows that to happen a lot, you know. So those are the things that you get concerned about, um, you know. But uh, and then you look at their midfield. I mean, that's that's class. I, yeah. They're they're three man midfield. There, Frankie De Young's an outstanding player. I thought Frankie De Young was really good in this game. He was. Um, he. I, I put up a, a tweet during the game because at one point he was just dancing around the box and nobody could do anything about it. People they were just mm -hmm. watching him. He was like doing whatever he wanted. I'm like, my goodness, come on now. Sure, good, but don't let him do that. Sure. Um, and then they and then they can find confidence with the defenders that they have. I mean, Virgil is is one of the best defenders in the world right now. I mean, Liverpool people will tell you that he's Maldini, um, which is ridiculous. Uh, but he's he's good. He's good. But he's win skilled. win a few more things. You know that 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 big trophy you won a couple of years ago. Win it four more times because that's what Maldini did. <laughs> All right. Um, so. You know, let's let's pump the brakes on the Maldini comparisons. He's he's excellent, but you know he's not Maldini. Um, you know, Devry is interesting because one, the experience of being able to he, seeing these guys week in and week out. Two, yeah. out of the three, he's the best passer. Yeah. Um, you know, from those areas, and if they had to root one, he's got the ability to do it. So there were some nice dynamics here. The question would be how quickly would they be able to settle in and play this system, which is what, which is something they were doing for the first time. Yeah, and and to start the game, I thought the Azuri did well in terms of you know trying to boss the possession, looking really good actually. Uh, they get the opening goal through Lorenzo Pellegrini on the 16th minute, a nice play, uh, gets a finish on that one, one nothing. Um, and the one thing that was worrying me, you know, in the first you know 20 minutes or so was that. Despite how well the Azzurri were playing, I thought the Dutch were so much faster than than the Azzurri. I mean, it looked like men against boys in terms of speed. I mean, they were running to everything. Um, you know, obviously uh, the Azzurri were like the midfielders in particular. Um, they were using you know smarts and and beautiful passes, and it wasn't wasn't trying to outpace them because they couldn't outpace them. The midfield, the Dutch, and the, the team of the Dutch were really fast. But I thought Barella, his assist to to Pellegrini, I mean, that's world class pass. I mean, for me, man of the match just on that pass alone. A brilliant game, brilliant, brilliant vision. You watch that replay over and over again. You're just like, wow, what a what a freaking pass by Barella. And to Chiesa's credit, who I you know I you know I'm trying to slam the last uh, game against Poland. Him and him and Barella were having a nice give and go down that right sideline before Barella ended up making that pass cross. So Chiesa had a better, much better game. But um, what we saw was that you know the 25th minute, uh, the two guys we're talking about. Uh, Daily Blint was one of the guys, and also for Henke de Jong, just dancing around the box, doing whatever they wanted, end up leading to a goal in the 25th minute. Donny van de Beek, 
level up that game. And after that, I thought the Dutch kind of turned the game on its head. It looked like it was more Azuri in the first 20, 25 minutes. And then once that goal happened, it seemed like the Dutch has got confidence in the, in the, the style they're playing. And it felt more comfortable, like a weight was off their shoulders. I don't know what you thought. Um, I think where Italy did a lot of probing, uh, Netherlands played with a lot of purpose. Uh -huh. um, they were more deliberate going forward. Um, Italy was trying to maybe ask some questions, um, you know, uh, and um, and I think that, uh, you know, certainly, to your point, Netherlands just visually looked more dangerous as a result. Now, I think that by for the most part, Italy, you know, said – you can be as purposeful as you want. We're going to yep. defuse you, and that's yep. and I and, and I think for the most part they did. The goal that Italy conceded, I think that's just that's that's poor tracking from Chiesa. Um, and you know, moments after that, we come to learn that I think he at some point had some sort of a knock. Yeah, that slowed him down. Um, but uh, but it's poor poor tracking from Chiesa that makes it easy for Blint to get in behind. Uh, on that first pass, I know on uh, Italy's goal, Pellegrini's goal. You really like, you know, as much as we talk about uh, Belotti and and Immobile to an extent not being four three three players. You you like the movement he made to kind of help free up the defender to force that uh, give Pellegrini that opening towards that goal, right? I really put it. I, I really put an emphasis when I watched this game was to watch Immobile. Yeah. Uh, I, I watched. I I tried to extensively watch Immobile, and I took a lot of notes. Uh, on what I saw. Um, and I thought there were some decent things, but I also thought there were some issues. Um, now, on the goal for Italy, I thought that was, I mean, the, the one thing that I I don't particularly like, um, I think that he overshows to the ball side. Yeah. Um, and when that happens, you get in the way of your winger. Um, you know, it, but in this case, it worked because you know he didn't go he, he he didn't go totally wide he still was he still was narrow but pulled i think it was ake yep all right and then he also which also got van dyke to follow now that run just checking into that area into that space where you know which was diagonal and in front of barella um now you pull those two guys that created that passing lane for Barella to play that ball. And now all Pellegrini has to do is he's got to get on the blind side of Dry, which he does. Yep. And that ball's in behind everybody. Pellegrini's in and he scores. So, you know, I, I you know, when you watch some, there's some off the ball stuff that he's figuring out that helps. There's some positioning in some critical situations that are an issue. Um you know, and I'll I'll carry I'll I'll carry on from this. Uh, tenth minute, there was a crossing situation where he duplicated the same run that Pellegrini went to the far six, yeah. and Immobile duplicated it. Um, and now you got two guys there. You know, now I understand if somebody wants to tell me, okay, you put two guys there, you overload that side because there's only one defender in that area, and you've got now you just cross it to there, and your odds are good because you've got one more guy than they do. I get that. I'm more of a fan of okay, one guy makes the run there, the other guy's got to hold his run at the top of the box, uh, or the other thing that, or the other thing that we probably do is if you've got both of those guys at the far six, then Immobile is darting to the near six. 
um, you know, for a low driven ball to come across that either he can flick onto the, to, or he can either dummy for Pellegrini or he can flick on the goal himself. So yeah. there's a few different things you can do there. I didn't like that. He just stayed static there. Um, you know, and, and I think that because he's a creature of habit in a two forward system where Caicedo or, uh, Correa are probably already at that. He just are already at that near six or at the top of the penalty area that he thinks, okay, that's my, that's my run. That's instinctively where I'm going, you know, in the four, three, three, he's in somebody's way now. Um, you know, unless Mancini makes it an intent, let's outnumber somebody there at the far, let's outnumber their defender at the far six and try to get the ball there. Right. So there's, there's lots of that going on. Um, his back to goal play uh, was all right. It wasn't great. I didn't get to see much of it because from the Netherlands goal onward to the second half, there was just a lot of resorting on sitting on the shoulder of the last man and hoping to get played in, played through. Yeah. Um, and uh, he was making those runs poorly. Like he wasn't timing them well at all. He was uh, offside a lot. Static, yep. offsides a lot. There was a good play where uh, he made a nice run on the left hand side, got free and got a shot off. It was a nice shot. It forced Sillison to make a save. But, I mean, outside of that, I was frustrated on how, how he played over, overall. I thought he was, for some reason, riding Van Dyke's hip like uh, he was his busboy or something like that. I mean, that's the wrong guy you want to be riding the hip of. This guy is, you know, a really good defender. Why don't you do it off of Ake or something like that? Well, no, I mean, in the 20th minute, he actually he, – he had a very – he had a great run, a nicely timed run, and it was a high ball over the, over the top. Yeah, that's the one. Where he, got past, uh, where he got past Van Dyke. Um, what he does when he gets the ball, Van Dyke recovers. Now, Immobile forces a pass, and I believe it was to Chiesa, and Chiesa was marked, uh, you know, across the box. And I think Taylor Twelman made the comment about a midfielder. I think it was Barella coming forward that if Immobile held it just a little bit longer, Barella was coming where he could have dropped it to him. I actually want Immobile to take Virgil on, as crazy as that sounds with how good Virgil is as a defender. You got it. That's a one V one and good strikers are going to recognize that and say, all right, I need to, I'm just going to beat this guy and score guys that want to score goals. And good, don't get me wrong. Chile Mulder wants to score goals. It's evident yeah, yeah. three-time Cabo Um, But in that moment, regardless of who that defender is, that's, you got to beat him and create your own chance. Um, and I wish Immobile would have done that in that particular moment. And I think there was one other moment where he got in and timed it well, but then after that, the Dutch figured out that that's what he was going to do. They started trapping him offside. They started reading that a little bit better. So then that option was that option was gone for the rest of the half, even though Immobile and Italy just persisted with it. I think, you know, oftentimes, not oftentimes, I should say there, there's a small group, there's a small segment of the Azzurri population who are so in love with their team that they're blindsided about anything else. And, like, if you talk bad about the player – you're talking bad about them, and you're 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 you're, bla- you're screaming blasphemy. I I think we have that you know occasion with. I know Milanese's have done this in the past. Sure, uh, but you know you talk about Immobile, and they're like, "Whoa, what are you talking about? He's a great goal goal scorer." I was like he is, but he's not in the system. And as much as we want him to be, we want him to have that Serie A form. We all do, but it's just not working out yet. You know, I think it could be a, a system where it works with him and maybe. Uh, Caputo out there. I don't know. I don't think him and Balotti. We we tried that in the past, and they're too similar to to do that. Caputo, him and Caputo. Yeah, that could possibly possibly work. Um, but it's it's some reason he's not reading those runs just right, and and midfielders aren't getting to him. I get it, but it, 
right now the, the their main issue right now is scoring goals uh, or a striker that's going to score the goals consistently. Yeah, I, I know he has three goals, three assists, but against who? You know, Armenia and Liechtenstein and stuff like that. Um, it's funny because I, I was looking at the statistics on how often Mancini plays certain players, certain certain strikers, and of the of the maybe of the of the there's maybe four teams they've played that have been solid teams, and the, the teams that are in their grouping and um and yeah. in, in UEFA Nations are three of them, and Immobile's only play like half of those games. Now yeah. I don't know if Mancini has a, something against them or just sees what we're trying to talk about. I don't know, but um, it's not there yet. It was better than Balotti, but still not there yet. Here's the here's the thing, and I got into this with Alaziali uh, on Twitter um, after the Poland game. Yeah, I remember. Um, just because he's good for your club doesn't mean he's going to be good for country. Okay, and I I, I banged the drum for Immobile all last season. It was my pick for Kapu Kananieri last season. It's I, I didn't all of a sudden because I'm picking Lukaku doesn't mean I all of a sudden hate Immobile and I think that he sucks. <laughs> all right, I just it it hasn't worked in big critical moments. Um, you look at the Italy teams that have been successful and have made deep runs in competitions. Have they had a when was a Capo Cananieri winner leading the line? Okay. Or in a, I mean, you probably got to go all the way back to 94 uh, when Signori was partnering Baggio. I don't know if Signori was Capo Cananieri back there, but he he scored a boatload of goals. Was uh, Tony leading the line when he won Capo Cananieri? I don't know if he Late won Capo career? Cananieri that year or if he won it shortly okay. after that. All right. I couldn't remember. Um, but I know he won. Yeah. So we'll have to look that up. But, um, you know, 2000, they were mixing it up at the striker position. You had some Totti, um, you know, you know, Del Piero had moments, but who was the starter in the final Del Vecchio. Okay. Um, you know, 2002, you had Christian Vietti. Okay. Who scored a lot of goals and was very successful, but he, I don't think he was Capo Cannonieri at any point. I'd have to go back and look. And it's not, it's not uncommon. We've seen this in other countries in the world. Look at Miroslav Klose with Germany. He was yeah. never one of the top strikers in the, his league, uh, but he's always one of the best ones in, in the tournament times. And, you know, I, I know I get, I get why we want Immobile. He's a lethal striker. He's, he has a nose for the net, but I mean, over the, over the last, you know, 17 games or whatever, they've only had four quality opponents. He's only had one assist in those games. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he got three goals and three assists, but they're you know against those teams, like I said, and yeah, they were four and zero, but there were some smaller clubs, and you know, in the UEFA Nations League, that's the four games he did play, the teams won one and two, and like I said, one assist, it's not going to do much. They need more goals, more contribution from the attackers, not necessarily goals, but contributions. And I praised his last game uh, against the yeah. Netherlands because I, you know, when I watched that game, I said this has probably been his best performance in an Italy shirt. He didn't even score any goals. He had the assist for uh, Barella in the win. Yep. No, that was a good game. That was absolutely um, a good game for him. But that's it. Stevie is checking in. What's up, my man? Immobile. <laughs> so, so this, this this notion that just because you win Capo Cananieri, you should be starting for your country is bullshit. Yeah. All right. And pardon my language. I mean, you know, we've seen prolific goal scorers get left out of teams. I mean, you only need to go back two years ago. France kept Benzema at home. Yep. Oh, France has an embarrassment of riches at striker. I, this is true. This is true. <laughs> okay, but <laughs> but they left Benzema at home, and you would have thought, well, Benzema should somehow have gotten into the squad. Yeah. But Deschamps said, no, I I yeah. don't need him. I'm not taking him. So I mean, you it's a four three three system. 
Okay. It's a four, three, three system. And you need a, the striker has to be functional in that system. And why do I bang the drum for Chicho Caputo? Because he is a striker that plays in a four, three, three and does it really well. And he always has too. <laughs> yeah. And he always has now uh, this, this Laziali, and I'm not going to name him. I don't get into that. No. All right. Um, it, and it's not important enough for me to remember. That's the other reason why. Um, he sits there and he says, well, Caputo has only got 42 goals in 89 Serie A appearances. And Immobile's got 100 and, uh, or 228, like something like 100, and, I, I, 228. I can't even remember the numbers, uh, you know. But, okay, but Caputo has 42 goals in 89 games playing for Empoli and Sassuolo. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, he scored 98 goals in the last five seasons before the season even started. So yeah. he can score goals. Yeah. He just hasn't been in the limelight that Immobile has. And we no one's taking credit for Immobile. Immobile is a fantastic striker. He's one of the best strikers uh, in Italy and Europe. Um, Belotti is a fantastic striker as well. But yeah. just because you're a fantastic striker in the league doesn't mean you're going to be a fantastic striker for your national team. And that's the thing we're trying to drive home. Forget the forget your club allegiance aside. It's what's the best thing for your country right. to get them to perform. And sometimes your best players are left off. You know, like uh, Steve says, Baggio was left home and. Uh, for the in the 2002 World Cup, I mean, that's right. So that's right. I mean, uh, and in and in 98 we had, I think, I think 98 the partnership was Baggio and Vieri, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in France. Um, it's if, if not, if it wasn't, it's it's darn close to it. So you never knew you had long hair, Richard. Yeah, I got long <laughs> hair, man. Yeah. So this notion hair. that I mean, I mean, it was just such a it was such a short sighted opinion to just say, well, he's been Capocan in nearly three times. He should be Italy striker. No, so what? you need your striker needs to function within the system that the manager puts in place. That's why Benzema yeah. was sent. That's why Benzema stayed home and didn't doesn't have a uh, World Cup medal. OK, yeah. um, because Mbappe was functionally more of a fit for what Deschamps wanted to do. Um, Giroud, when called upon, was functionally more of a fit for what Deschamps wanted to do. Griezmann, obviously. Okay, so this, it just, it it, it kind of stuck in my craw that that was the argument. And it's just like, listen, you want to bang the drum for your guy. I'm not, you, you're a fan, fine. But be realistic. I'm a Milan fan, and I can't remember the last time I banged the drum for a Milan player to to, to start for the uh, Azzurri. I mean, I, I don't even, you know, I don't even, uh, you know, Donnarumma goes without saying that he should be the starter, but uh, you know I've not said a thing about Romagnoli. Part of it's because he's hurt, um, but also because I get that there's a pecking order of defenders that are really good right now, and and Romagnoli yeah. will eventually get his opportunity. The last time I made last time I banged the drum was Maldini when uh, he he wasn't taken to the 2006 World Cup. Uh, that turned out pretty well for the Azzurri. Yeah. Um, Di Natalia, to Steve's point, has been left, you know, left you know, many times, and he's been one of the best strikers during his career. So, just because just because league success doesn't mean it's going to pan on the and the and the on the team. Now, I I think you could have a, a situation like I said earlier, of maybe a Caputo and Immobile working together because Caputo brings a different aspect and element that maybe he could free up Immobile. That could work, possibly, because uh, Caputo can play at the, any of the three positions up top, not just the striker position. Uh, so that could work with maybe I'd like to see that in a friendly to see if that would work, but um Immobile's gotta show like, us more. I actually like the uh the 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 Can Immobile partnership um 
in the latter stages of this game against the Netherlands. And I thought it was very smart of Mancini to change his tactics and be flexible and shift, uh, you know, to a two man. There was a, a difference in the team that, when Ken jumped in. Absolutely. Yeah. And then when Florenzi came in and played as a right wing back, and then it, yeah. it, they went with a three, five, two look yeah. immobile. I'll say this watching him in those last 15 to 17 minutes of the match. Immobile looked more comfortable. You know, there was the, the runs made more sense. Ken was doing okay. He saw Ken. Ken's doing this. I'm going to go do that. Okay. And now he's sitting on the back shoulders of these defenders. And, they, and he made great runs. He made great runs that weren't duplicated. The only problem was the service just wasn't getting to him. Yep. You know, so I mean, he, he looked in his element once that formation shifted. And that was very smart of Mancini to make that change because it put Netherlands under some pressure. Just. Yep didn't get any quality out of it. Yeah. So striker is going to be an issue for this Italy team going forward. Um, the other thing that I probably come away with after these two games is that um, as much as I believe in Federico Chiesa's talent, he's in the squad. He shouldn't be starting. What do you say? <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I made that comment after the first game. I, I definitely don't think Belotti or Chiesa should start, and uh, I'm I'm keeping faith in Immobile if it's they can figure out a way with bringing Caputo in the lineup. Uh, but yeah, Chiesa isn't a starter for me. Uh, Bernadeschi has proven more dangerous uh, of the two, uh, and people are trying to say, "Oh, you just hate because he's Juventini." I was saying this before when he was before Fiorentina. He's this is not the first time he's been with the Azzurri. He's been there with many times. Yeah. So we got plenty of, of 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 work to see around for him. Um, it's the same thing every time. And, and Bernadeschi is one of those players who doesn't play well in the league, but plays well for the national team. You know, so maybe Bernadeschi needs another try. Or Moise Kane, um, he played really well for them too. So uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, I, I'm just not ready for Belotti. I think as much as I love Belotti and Chiesa, mm -hmm. I don't think they, they they should be in the starters. They should be certainly sub players for sure. They can bring something to that game, especially when you need that little X factor. Chiesa with his pace and his mobility, Belotti with his assist all around skill. Uh, but starting, uh, not so much for me. You know, the, the the games where Ken was starting as the striker, and this was a year and a half ago, it was it looked good. I mean, I think the, the teams were a little more on the inferior side, but it looked like they were onto something. But then um, Ken can't get a game with his club, and subsequently that suffers. So yeah. His, yeah. His, his national team chances suffer. So, um, you mm -hmm. know... Hopefully he sees more of a run in now that he's at PSG, um, you know, on loan from Everton. But that's a pretty stacked um, attacking pecking order that he has to try to navigate through to get those chances. So yeah. um, the other takeaway, the other big takeaway that I come away from that, I, that I that I take from these games and from this uh, FIFA period with Italy is that I think as this season goes on and we're already starting to talk about it, but as this season goes on, we're going to watch Nicolo Barella become an elite midfielder, not just in Italy, but in, as far as world football is concerned. Yeah, a lot of people were screaming his praises during that game, uh, saying he was world-class and this and that. Uh, I mean, look at that pass. It was a beautiful play uh, overall, mm -hmm. and I think he fits well with Jorginho and Varati. Uh, and obviously there's a couple other midfielders who want to stake their claim for that for those positions, but uh, Barella is making that his own, man. And uh, uh, you gotta love. You gotta love the way he played in the in the, those two games, and especially the last one and uh, that assist. I mean, that's just mouth watering. I mean, he has a a, a blend of of technique and combativeness. Yes, that is, and, and you need that. Every team needs that. 
that is perfect for a 4-3-3 style of midfielder that's perfect for that role. I think yeah. that Antonio Conte has rubbed off on him as far as the combativeness is concerned because I don't think that that was something that was – that wasn't something that was eye-popping to me when he was playing for Cagliari. Um, so uh, Steve says against the Netherlands, if we kill the game early with all the missed chances, we went comfortable. And that's the other point I want to make about the Netherlands game before we put it, you know, before we, before we lay all this to rest on, on Italy, knowing that you're playing a team that's trying a new system. Um, Who are not there to, mentally either. Yeah. That are, that, that are taking those first 15 to 20 minutes to figure it out. You need to, those, that's the time where you really need to get after them and put them away yeah. for a couple of reasons. One, you get the lead and you, you, you get the lead and, 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 and you can get comfortable as, as Stevie's pointing out and set the tone for the rest of the match. And two, you know, you make them question, why are we doing this system? You know, psychologically, it just completely changes. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, so to allow them to hang around, you know, and and be able to play their game and allow them to be as purposeful, I think was was what, what hurt and it was it was a direct result of not taking advantage of the chances and some of the opportunities um, that came early. Yeah, I thought this was a poor game. Georgina was poor. Yeah. Um, in the Netherlands game too. Uh, I'll, I'll say that. And it was not a you know Verratti was very good against Poland, not so good not so good here. Um, I thought. But Barella for me was probably the best player on the pitch overall. Me too. Uh, taking away Pellegrini's goal. I mean, Pellegrini really gets a lot of plaudits because he scored the goals, but that was all Barella. For me, Barella was. was the best player in this game. Yeah, I thought D'Ambrosio was actually, well, I would say Florenzi was an upgrade from D'Ambrosio, I thought. Well, uh, D'Ambrosio looked very poor in that game. Uh, Daly Blint was just tearing him apart. I kept saying during the game, someone needs to help him out because he's going to get torched for a goal here in a minute. Um, and then Florenzi came in and he added a little bit more. As much as we don't like Florenzi, he is an upgrade from D'Ambrosio, unfortunately. Maybe sure. it's like PSG rubbing off on him. Sure. Now the um I mean the, the goal they conceded again, uh, you know, I mean a, a couple of uncharacteristic things happened. I mean, uh, you know, Chiesa allows Blint to get behind him, but we find out it's because Chiesa got took a knock and just was struggling to do any kind of recovery, but then um, after the blint cross, uh, and then Depay got off a chance, and it's just you know not getting to the second ball. I mean, Italy over the years, over decades, have made a living out of winning the second ball in their own penalty area, and it's just one of those where Van de Beek got there first. Uh, yeah. These are things you don't usually see from the Itzuri. So, and then having Frankie de Jong just waltz around to set up the whole play. I mean, I don't know what Verratti and Jorginho, probably more so Jorginho, was doing, but I mean, he just yeah. did whatever he wanted. Walked in there and then found found Blint, and Blint, you know, ended up crossing the middle, and the goal happened, but. Yeah, Frankie de Jong asked Jorginho a lot of questions. I think the problem for Jorginho was he didn't know whether do I hold and protect my center backs or do I go out and try to challenge this guy. Yeah, neither was working for him. (laughs) Yeah, and he was, and I think every time you know he was wrong with every decision he made when it came to that too. It was it was one of those it was one of those games, and you know it happens. So um, Uh, unfortunately, the whole caveat of this whole thing was. Poland beat. They won against Bosnia. They had Bosnia had a red card in that game, and Lewandowski went off. Karolinetti scored as well, three uh, nothing. And because of that, they jump over the Azzurri in the in the group standings at the moment. I think they have seven points, and the Azzurri have six or something. It's one point advantage. Uh, so if you if you're keeping track at home, I guess in yep. terms of promotion, and all that good stuff. Uh, there's that. Mm-hmm. So they're in second in the group. 
you know, and they'll, so they'll have some work to do. I think it's, uh, I believe they get Poland at home and then the, and I think they travel, uh, to Bosnia Herzegovina yeah. for the remaining group game. So there's, yeah. there's still all to play for. There's still a chance to win the group and reach the semifinals of the nation's league, which, which is viable. And I think that's something they should shoot for. Hopefully we're not, um, looking at this, like we're going to sleepwalk through it or anything like that. And we're just using it as extra games. I'd like to see this because I think that what it will do is that it will validate Mancini's project a little bit. Yeah. So I, I, I think we both agree that it's a, it's a fantastic project that's coming along. So has some ways to go, but it's almost there. It's missing a striker and a couple pieces here and there, but overall midfield defense. Good. Yep. So, so let's see what happens. Um, your all your thoughts on the Azzurri. Let's uh, go to at Syria sit down on Twitter or Instagram. Um, besides getting a trappy, crappy trophy, what do they get? Uh, confidence. Like confidence. I said, confidence and validation that Mancini's project is really working. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I think that it's working regardless. Um, all right. Now the the league will resume on Saturday, and uh, we have the derby, the first edition of the Derby della Madonnina for the 2020-2021 season. I think that's what Stevie's really here for. Um, Inter hosting Milan. Uh, I mean, right off the bat, questions are going to be asked about whether or not this game should actually be played because of the rash of COVID positives that Inter are dealing with. Well, given the precedent set from this Juventus Napoli situation, we're going to have to play it. Yeah. Um, So let's just run down the list. Now, um, uh, six players uh, tested positive over the last several days. Ashley Young, Alessandro Bastoni, Milan Skriniar, Raja Nangalan, uh, Gallerini and Yonut Radu, you know, Radu, big deal. Um, he's not, wasn't even going to play anyway. Um, that just means he can't be out to hand out towels to the starters and <laughs> fix them, wa- fix them their waters and stuff like that, probably. Yeah. So, but yesterday, uh, Sempre Inter uh, reporting that they have two new positive cases Marcelo Brozovic and Andrea Pinamonti. Yeah. Uh, the Brozovic one is a big one for sure because he's one of their better players. And he's a Milan killer. He is. He has always been, yeah. And especially as of late, he's I've been a killer scoring some big goals, setting up some big plays. I mean, shit, the last time they played, uh, he was just man of the match for me. Uh, so, yeah, he's going to be a big miss for them if, if it does turn out that he, you know, uh, well, he has to sit out anyway no matter what. So um, that's that's big news for Inter. They, they, they definitely have 13 guys, so they should be playing. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, yeah, Milan gets some good news, I think, uh, overall, too, from, you know, despite all this bad news from Inter, Milan gets some good news themselves. Yeah, uh, Zlatan returns. Um, totally negative, uh, totally healthy and back training. Um, Ante, Ante Rebic will not be back, uh, still uh, dealing with the elbow injury. Stevie's saying tonight you had to have a Napoli fan on and make it an R-rated episode. I want my kid to listen to this. So <laughs> I'm, I'm dropping words here left, left and right. Yeah, yeah. So, yep. So, um, but in any event, um, in any event, when, what is it, how does Inter come out? I mean, what do they play? They, they you know, going to have Kolarov back there. They're going to have Divrai back there. Um, they're going to have to figure out, does, does, dear God, God help them. Does Ranocchia have to play back there? Barella's going to play still. Um, Barella will be in there. Yeah. And you know, uh, to go back real quick to the, the point you were making about uh, Derni Azzurri and Barella, you know, how Conte has made him a better player. I think, you know, with Conte constantly rotating shifts, make, rotating midfielders, 
making him question himself. He's made him work harder. And because of that, gave him that grit. And now he's like a starter, you know, because of that. And I think that's something good that Conte has done for him in his career. Agreed. He's going to be, he's going to be difficult for Milan. No doubt about it. Um, you know, obviously no Lukaku and uh, Larturo are going to be up top. Uh, more than likely, Alexis Sanchez is probably going to do something good in this game. Uh, he's going to, if he's not starting, he's going to come off the bench. Uh, they still have some options there, but um, it's obviously not going to be their their A lineup for them. Uh, but it should be a good game nonetheless, I think. It's a derby. How can I not have the most caps on the show as a guest? Well, Mark Neal has the most caps on on, our, on the show as a guest. Yeah. I think he's going to go at 10 or 11, but no, as, a, as, a, as a chat out of the, guest, maybe. Oh, as far as as a chat guest, you're, 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 you're certainly working your way up. Well, Stevie, you know, when you when you and uh, um, – when you and Vinny go on the Calcio connection and want to go talk to a snake and a Laziali and you don't want to preview the Derby with us, that, that hurts us. Okay. <laughs> that hurts us. <laughs> He's saying Sanchez is up for the Derby because of Hi, Alex. Hi, Alex. Hi, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Shows off the rails. I don't want to start Calcio wars. Maybe I do. Just not with the culture connection. I like those guys. Yeah, exactly. They're all right. They're all right. Jerry's a Jerry's a sorry bastard sometimes, being a Lazio fan. But you know, and, you know what can you do? So <laughs> he said, "President, he set that up." So all right, good. Well, your punishment is you got to have me on, and you got to have me on video this time. All right. <laughs> Technical difficulties. Not sorry, calling right? me on my not calling me on my phone. <laughs> President set that up too probably yeah <laughs> he did uh, anyway let's all right let's get back on track so Inter and Milan now with all of this it's it's so hard to predict and 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 the reality is is that you know you talk about form this is the one thing that when you when this particular derby what I've learned over the last several installments nothing matters forms out the window um it totally is. Now, sold. You are on Monday night. I yeah, I'd I'd love to come on and uh, chat Darby. So uh, you know, tell Pre- I'm I, I'm just going to message Presidente and say I'm on. So, all right, <laughs> I'll I'll be the third my third appearance. I think I'll be the first one to be on three times on Milan Weekly Podcast. So, uh, but anyway, um, let's let's get back to this. Um, Inter, I know you got it. They might be patching it together. You know, it's going to be Lotaro and Lukaku up front, as you said. Alexis Sanchez is hurt. Uh, or stories are coming out that he suffered a serious injury. There's another story that Sanchez says, No, I'm fine. I don't know. Uh, Vidal played well for his team uh, for Chile, so you know he's sure. going to play. He's going to be a, a factor. You're probably going to see Vidal in there if Brozovic is positive and can't play. And it's probably why Inter went after all these guys and loaded on upon all this so that they could have this kind of depth and be ready for it. Hakimi is back. I can't wait to see the battle. Hakimi versus Teo is going to be epic. On that These are the guys going to play defense. It's going to constantly attack each other. It's going to be awesome for yeah. the neutral. For us, maybe not so much, but it's going to be a, definitely a spectacle. Two of the best guys at their positions in, in the league going at, going at it. It's going to be great. Um. Yeah. It's like you said. It's it's a it's a toss up. Who's who's gonna win? Two one Inter. Two one Milan. Who knows? Uh, form out the window. It doesn't matter. We've seen when one team is hot, the other one's been not, and the other team wins. Um, Tao's getting Tao's getting booked. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Tao is sure. going to. I mean, you know, Tao is going to get booked at some point. Yeah. 
uh, in this game. It's just going to, I mean, because, I mean, for what he offers going forward and for his power and his ability to get forward, defensively, there's some liability issues. And then dealing with Hakimi now, he's going to be late at some point that's going to get him shown yellow. That's if there's odds, and I don't have sports book in Wisconsin, which stinks because that's something that I probably would bet on. Um, yeah, as a player prop, uh, tail getting booked. Vidal, so, too. Yeah, Vidal probably as well. I get a red. So, <laughs> yep. Uh, we'll see. Well, I hope so. Yeah. Um, at least as a Milan fan. Yeah. But the one thing is that form means absolutely nothing because there's been times where I've seen Milan in great form and Inter struggling yet Inter win. I remember it was, I think, uh, like a year and a half ago or something like that where Inter won 3-2 and everybody that was Gattuso's last derby. <clears throat> and um, everybody thought, well, Milan's on a roll. They're going to win this. Inter is sputtering a little bit. This is going to be this is going to be Milan, and then Lataro destroys them. Um, yeah, last so, la, the last game they played against each other, Milan were hot. They started off with two nothing lead in that game, and Inter storm back and win that game. I mean, and we've seen the opposite too, where you know Inter's been hot, and Milan won. So um, anything can happen in these derbies. Uh, obviously, Zlatan gets up for these games, uh, but mm-hmm. we know we know Larturo gets gets up for these games as well, um, and you know Lukaku is certainly going to be a factor in this game. So it. I, which defense can hold the other attack the most is going to be the key in this one. Um, midfield is going to be an interesting battle for sure. Uh, two really good midfields. I mean, obviously the inter one is going to be a little depleted, um, but uh, it's still really good. It's still really good. It's available to them. Sensi, yeah. um, Vidal, Barella, uh, Ericsson. They've they've got options. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see what they what what Conte actually conjures up. Yeah. So. Um, <sighs> Just because I'm a Milanisti, I'm picking Milan to win, um, and for no other reason. Yeah, I still think with what Inter can bring, even with all of the COVID cases, maybe having to sit out. Um, oh, since he's booked, he can't play. Thank you. Um, oh, that that kind of helps. I'm going to go with Milan to win two one. I think that Ibra is going to get at least one of them if he doesn't get both. I think that. You know, knowing what we've learned from Iba, Ibra of all after all of these years, this is this feels like one of those games where he just kind of returns in glory and is really pissed off about how the last derby went, as many of the Milan players that are still there probably feel. And it's like, okay, because after that, and there was the general loss before the break, and then coming out of the restart, they've been scorching hot. And I think that this is the game that they're positioning themselves. Now, the win over Juventus a few months ago was very impressive, but this is the game for them. This is the one where I said, okay, we are here and we're a thing. And this has to be the game. Um, and I've just, I think that Milan are going to nick this. It's going to be a 2 1 win for them. I think this is going to be a crazy competitive game, as you would expect from a derby. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Rossoneri to win. Yeah, and uh, another thing you got to keep an eye on is that uh, Hakan's been playing really well lately. Uh, he's obviously trying to play to to show that he he wants to deserve that five million a year contract. Um, he had a goal and assist for Turkey against uh, Serbia against Sergei Milinkovic Savic is uh, uh, Serbia uh, did really well in that game. He's playing really well, so you got to you got to imagine that he's going to be either on the score sheet or on the assist sheet, um, whether with the passing or whatnot. So, yeah, it's it's a tough game. I I hate. I hate these games because you know we we think too much with our heart, and I I too think a two one victory for Milan, but I could easily see a, a victory for Inter as well. It's it's no. it's a derby. It's a derby. Yeah, I and I would. 
if Inter wins, I won't be surprised either. I mean, it's just one of those things. You, it's you're never going to know what to expect. But so. I am picking Milan two one. That's that's what I'm going to say. Yep. Uh, Quickly navigating just the rest of the city. I mean, before that, you got a heck of a game. You got Napoli and Atalanta uh, Saturday morning, um, kicking off yeah. nine a.m. East. Yeah. Um, you know, how, how does Napoli come out after everything that's been ruled against them? Um, you Atalanta know, Atalanta. <laughs> yep, is Atalanta? How are they going to approach this? Because we've seen this on a couple of occasions prior to a Champions League game. We we don't often see Atalanta going out and doing Atalanta things, as we say. Um, you know, I actually like Napoli's chances in this game, and I'll tell you why. The way they've started this season, um, uh, Steve talking about the Derby, saying that he thinks a draw is in the stars. I mean, any result is going to happen right now, considering the forms of those two teams. But let's talk Napoli and Atalanta. <sighs> Given the start that Napoli's gotten off to with Ossiman, um, and the confidence that they're generating with his presence, coupled with the fact that as wonderful as Atalanta are going forward and, and all of the goals that they're capable of scoring, their defense is a big-time liability, um, You know, at least what we've learned through the first couple of games watching them play. Um, you know, uh, Belotti made it look easy with the two that he scored. Um as an example, um, you think Lazio probably should have gotten more than they did when they lost to him. I, I, you got Koulibaly back there. I mean, I'm yeah. not opposed to the idea of Napoli winning this game on Saturday. Yeah, that's true. Um, Napoli are certainly more than capable of winning this game. Uh, and this, for me, it's going to be a, a test for me to see how really how good Napoli are. We see them play against some of the minnows and doing really well against them. Uh, but this is a uh, this is a team that's one of the a team in, in Serie A at the moment, and uh, how they how they play against them is going to be big because we know they're probably going to get chances against Atalanta because their defense is not that great at the moment. Um, but can anybody stop Atalanta from scoring? That's going to be the question for me. And you know, with Koulibaly back there in defense, you know, you always got to pick him. But most teams have just one striker he can focus in on. Atalanta, can, everyone on their team can freaking score. So who is he going to zone in on? Uh, Papa Gomez who's playing on the wing, no. You know, it's going to be Duvan Zapata probably, but, you know, there's other guys that can contribute. So I'm curious to see what the discipline from the Gattuso's men are going to be in that game because mm -hmm. that's going to be a telling tale. I, I can easily see a draw in this game. And a score draw, I'm talking like 2-2 or 3-3 because there are going to be goals in this game. Uh, but, you know, both the teams are good enough that they're not going to let the other one pull away, you would think. Mm -hmm. um, Atalanta, of course, can do anything. <laughs> sure. But, yeah, it's going to be a good game. Uh, and for me, I'm going to be watching really how Napoli react to a good team. Uh, and because we know what Atalanta can do against good teams, so that watching this will tell me a lot about Napoli. If they if they go toe to toe with Atalanta or even win, you got to pick them now to put them in the top four automatically for the season. Because really, I don't know. I mean, I I, I don't I don't I, I won't fight it. I mean, yeah. but I don't know. I mean, they're on the edge for me right now. They're fifth place, just just behind Milan. Um, yeah, they, they, they go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Atalanta, and obviously it's not going to be yeah. just the one game. It has to be more than that. But yeah. it's just, I'm going to put them in a conversation like, hey, I'm looking at this team. You know, I'm not really sold on Juventus just yet. Um, the rest of the team's in the top four. I am, but yeah, yeah they're certainly going to be in the conversation for me if they, if they go toe-to-toe -to -toe or they even beat them. If they beat them emphatically, for sure. But uh, still, it's one game, but yeah, that's how okay. I feel. Okay. 
Um, I mean, the only other thing, and for for different reasons, why this one would be relatively interesting. I mean, Sunday morning, um, it wouldn't hurt to wake up really early for Bologna Sassuolo. Um, yeah. That should be entertaining. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, Torino Cagliari is very interesting to me on Sunday. We're talking about the redemption projects of uh, Giampaolo and Di Francesco. Yeah, so absolutely, I think that that could be a pretty tightly contested game in all actuality. But Steve's looking forward to Cortona Juventus, uh, the Super Classico there. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be one nil, one nil Juve. So maybe. Penalty. It's going to be resourceful, Juve. It's going to be like, all right, no Ronaldo, no McKenny. Let's just get, let's go ninety minutes. Let's just, uh, yeah, uh, get the three points and get the hell out of there, uh, yeah. and uh, and get them legitimately, right? So, uh, quick breeze through of because uh, following uh, this weekend's matches, Champions League will take place, um, and next time recording on Tuesday night, we'll have uh, some, dis- we'll probably have some discussion uh, on games that took place on Tuesday. Um, as far as it concerns Serie A teams, uh, Lazio taking on a team that is near and dear to your heart, Richard, Borussia Dortmund. Uh, (laughs) And then Juventus uh, making the trip to Kiev uh, to play Dinamo Kiev. Yeah. Um, uh, Thoughts on Bologna versus Sassuolo will finish 7-6. to That's why I might wake up at 5.30 in the morning to watch it. Yeah, and go back to bed, right? Yep. And then, well... My kids will be up by the time yeah, the game's over. So, <laughs> yeah, um, it's an interesting game. I think um, going to Kiev is never easy. It never right. is. We've seen it. Anytime going to Ukraine, period, is is never easy. Uh, but from a climate standpoint, it actually helps to make that your first match day while the weather's still relatively reasonable in Ukraine. This is true. This is very true. Uh, you got to favor Juventus in that matchup for sure. Yeah. Um, Kiev will probably give them a little bit of trouble, but I think uh, Juventus experience and some of the talent they have on their team, they're gonna they should be able to succeed with no problems there. The Lazio game against Dortmund is gonna be interesting. Um, we know Dortmund can score a lot of goals. We know Lazio can score a lot of goals. Uh, we're not sure how either team is you know come out this season. Lazio has been a little bit on the back foot this season so far, and they've, they've put up some uh, results that aren't exactly the happiest thing. I'll forget. <laughs> <laughs> This is a rated. It's a rated G show. Come on, Steve. <laughs> it's it's not. Uh, we're not that far into that season, Steve, for that to potentially happen. Unfortunately, not in Ukraine, not just yet. <laughs> um, but the, the Lazio matchup is going to be difficult for them. Um, there's a lot of firepower. Gio Reyna, the American, is playing really well for Dortmund yeah. at the moment. Halan freaking had a hat trick. Had some great goals with with Norway over the weekend. Um, so it's going to be difficult. And mm. how, how Lazio can deal with that pressure and then use it to counterattack. Um, there's no doubt in mind that they're going to put Dortmund on the attack and, and try to get some shots off. That might be even game, honestly. What do you see from Munier, uh playing in the Hakimi role in that system? Obviously, he doesn't have Hakimi's pace. Uh, no. but, 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 but what effect has he had so far? Um, he's, he's had a decent effect. It's been more, it's more, been more the Gio Reyna show that, that's kind of yeah. – wash out the rest of that team because he's been playing lights out but yeah he's been he's been decent decent player he's not not hakimi you're right about that but he's far upgrade from you know what they had in the past like schmelzer and stuff like that and and uh, sure. some of those kreutz and stuff so he's a decent player and yeah. uh he has experience too playing with psg or whatever so yeah peace check uh, was never a fullback or a wingback either he's yeah. he's he's perfect where he is right now in the right side of a back three yeah so so, so yeah i i you know what? I'm going to start getting a reputation for people thinking that I actually hate Lazio now. But I mean, I think that Borussia Dortmund are going to win. Um, I just, 
I, I look at Lazio. I look at I, you know it's going to be matching three five twos. Um, I think that they 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 have the edge in the wing back positions. Um, with I would take Munier and uh, Guerrero over uh, Lizzotti, and I presume I think Marosic they've been using on the left, and I think that this yeah. is the kind of game where that situation actually gets exposed. Um, you know, I think the defenses are relatively equal. Uh, I think the goalkeeping, I think Strakoja is a little bit better than Burki. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, I, I think because of the form of Reyna and Holland, um, I'm going to go ahead and give Dortmund a 2-1 win there. Okay. Uh, I'll say a 2-2 in that game. It'll be a good game. Yeah. I think the key for Lazio is to really take seriously the threat of Holland and Reyna. Um, if they if they take that ser- that threat seriously, they can they can have a really good game, maybe win. Because uh, Immobile is going to get his, he's going to try to get his at least, and they play they play fantastic offensively. Lots to do, but it's going to be a tough game, no doubt yep. about it. Yep. Uh, Dinamo Kiev and Juve, it's you know you know can can Ronaldo and McKenny uh, test negative in time for the trip? Uh, so those questions have to get answered. You know, do they not have any, you know, do they avoid having any more positive cases? Those questions have to get answered. I watched this uh, Dinamo Kiev team uh, in the playoffs, um, and I can't remember who they knocked out. Um, but in any event, uh, first of all, they have a very good goalkeeper in Bushchan, um, who basically was the reason why they're in the Champions League, and he's also largely responsible for the Ukraine upsetting Spain in the Nations League this past week. Crazy I think he made eight saves, um, you know, in a one nil win. Congrats, Shevchenko. Uh, that's a that's a that's a famous win for him. Yeah. Um, you know, so so and and one of the things that when you looked at Dinamo Kiev is that they were a sieve because their goalkeeping stunk. Well, with Bushchan, he's actually decent. So chances are going to be a little bit hard to come by. I mean, they're they're not going to be hard to come by. They're going to be there. But this is a pretty good goalkeeper, so you better finish your chances. And you better know what you're doing in those situations. Earn those shots, yeah. Right. Um, uh, CR7 has Trump's COVID doctor. I'm keeping politics off of the city. I sit down. <laughs> so uh, they have some useful players up front. Yarmolenko is no, no, not Yarmolenko. Who's the other fellow? Konoplyanka. Oh, uh, Konoplyanka, yeah. Yeah, Konoplyanka. Uh, uh, this Depeña was solid. Supraya is a striker. So there's some th- there's some guys that can uh, that that can up there that can be a threat. I mean, ultimately, I think Juve. I, I'm going to go for a one-one draw here. Uh, that trip is still difficult, even if it's the right off the bat. Um, and I think that Dinamo Kiev are going to look at this like, hey one of the big boys are coming in and we're getting them right off the bat and they can play with a lot of energy. And sometimes when you're starting off a competition like this, you know, at a league stage an underdog, this is the opportunity for the underdog to try to get something out of it. And um, they're going to be fired up and they're going to put, they're going to put all their eggs in that basket. So I'm going for a one, one in Kiev. Okay. I'm going to go two nil Juve. Okay. Um, Let's see. I'm 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 pissing on uh, Serie A so far in uh, Champions League because I've not picked a win yet. But all right. So Wednesday the twenty first, Inter is hosting München Gladbach, and then Atalanta are traveling to Denmark to take on Michelin. Um, 
Let's start with the Inter-Munchen-Gladbach game. Now, you're familiar with Munchen-Gladbach. I've seen them a decent bit as well. Uh, they've got some guys. Now, Inter are going to be coming off the derby first and foremost. They, we, we don't know what the team shape or the setup is going to look like for them, um, you know, heading into – uh, heading into that game and after coming off playing a derby, um, you know, so will they be able to pick back up and be ready for this game? And this is a dangerous enough team uh, for them to deal with. Uh, Alessane Playa uh, and Marcus Turam are very dynamic. Hoffman yeah. is strong on the set piece and on the corner kick. Uh, they've got good fullbacks, Ben Sabaini, um, and uh, the, the the right sided guy, he's Austrian. Is that Limer? Limer, thank you, thank you. I was going to say it. <laughs> the, the the one thing that I think that you can poke at Munchen Gladbach is defensively they can have their issues. Sommer's not a great goalkeeper. Um, you can get at them, and I think that this is something where Lataro and uh, Lukaku can definitely feast. Um, and while Ben Zabaini is talented and good going forward. Um, I have a feeling that, you know, I, I, I would prefer Hakimi in that game, in, in that matchup. So I'm going with Inter to win this game. I think it's going to be an entertaining game, and Inter are going to win this 3-2. I think they're going to probably get shell-shocked by giving up an early goal, and then they're going to come into the game. Lukaku is going to create some things. I'm going to go 3-2 to Inter. Inter, historically under Conte, have not done well on short rests, um, especially when it's a big big games involved. Um and I think Gladbach can give them difficulty. I think if it was a straight up and they had that week to prepare or whatever, I think they would be the favorites based on talent alone. Gladbach's a good team, but uh, Inter have, on paper, a much better team. Um, but I think it, uh, Gladbach going to give them difficulties. I think I can see Gladbach scoring early um, and Inter getting one late, make it 1-1. I think, that's what I'm going to go with 1-1. Uh, but it's going to be a lot more difficult than they expect. Uh, and I think because it's on short rest, that's going to be part of that, that they're not going to be... Conte's not going to be ready for that. And uh, Gladbach kind of give them a go because Gladbach are a decent team. They really are. Yeah, uh, we'll see that. Yep. Okay. So, did I hear you right? You're saying Gladbach's going to win? Or... No, one 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 one. Oh, you got one one. Okay. Yeah. Steve okay. says Lazio zero two and Inter wins three one. Okay, and he says Juve two one over over Dinamo Kiev. Okay. Um, nice. So we've got some interesting uh, some changes in results. So Atalanta are traveling to Michelin, and I've watched Michelin in the playoff, and um, this is not a done deal for a couple of reasons. First of all, we all thought Atalanta could go to Dinamo Zagreb and, and on match day one last year and yeah. uh, and walk that game, and Dinamo Zagreb beat them 4-0. Um, Michelin have some quality, uh, and they have some goals uh, in their lockers. So um, you're welcome to say 4-0 to Atalanta. Let me – give the case for why Michelin is going to be a problem. I think Atalanta are going to win, but let me tell you that um, there are some players in this team that I would, uh, that I would be concerned with. Anders Dreyer is a guy you're going to want to be careful about. Uh, great midfield playmaker. Um, the striker up front, Sori Kaba, he scored, I believe twice over the two legged playoff. Um, you know, a, a big guy, you know, taller guy, good target, kind of the guy that, has been giving the Atalanta back three problems in Serie A. Um, you know, so there's there's that to work with. And I want to say, is it, there's one other player, Evander, uh, Brazilian international, another creative player that's going to create some problems. And you've got Pioni Sisto playing there, a veteran 
Um, I think last seen at Celta Vigo, uh, but veteran Dane international that he brings the experience to the team. So they're young. They play with some energy. They attack. Um, they'll probably set up to try to counter Atalanta and let Atalanta have the ball, which might suit them a little bit here. And I think they're going to score. Okay. Um, I, I think they're going to score. I'm going to say Atalanta win four, two. I think this, I think this game's going to have a ton of goals in it. Um, but I, I, was impressed with what I watched with Michelin in the playoff. And I think that they are not making up the numbers in this group. They're, they're going to probably finish last in this group when you look at Liverpool and Ajax and Atalanta in it. But they're going to be a pain in the ass for those other three teams. But I got I got Atalanta winning 4-2. Well, you kind of stole my thunder because I was going to really say this whole thing about they're going to be closer than the experts think. And, you know, they're going to put up a challenge for Atalanta. And then I was going to say 4-2 for Atalanta. So, <laughs> so, much for that. so I agree with you. <laughs> There you go. There you go. So those are the Champions League, Europa League. We won't. Uh, we'll just. We'll, why don't we just run off who's playing? Um, I'm going to go through that real quick. Uh, Milan are opening up. We got Roma at Young Boys. Um, young Boys are always interesting to deal with. Um, they're they're one of those teams that they've kind of been a bit of a fixture in. European play, kind of that fringe Europa League, Champions League kind of team. Um, I, I, you know, I think Rome will probably come away winning that game, but young boys won't make it easy on them. Uh, Napoli hosting odds at Alkmaar. Um, should be a very interesting game. Uh, I, Napoli's cool. at home. Yep. And then Milan traveled to Celtic, and Celtic aren't what they used to be. This is a Celtic that lost to Ferencvaros in the, uh, uh, Champions League playoff, like in the second round. Um, I actually think that if they apply themselves, all three Serie A teams are going to come out winners. I think Napoli is going to have the hardest time of the three. Um, what do you say? Yeah, uh, def- I think Roma's going to win. Um, I think uh, Napoli should win. It's going to be do- it's going to be a hard game, like you said, but I, I think they're going to get the win. I actually think uh, Celtic could get a draw in this game, just because they're home. Only reason because they're home, and they're not the same team as they had been, but. Um, maybe they get some uh, um, motivation from the big uh, the big derby on uh, this weekend for them against Rangers. So maybe they yeah. get something for that. But them at home, you know, they've always historically had made teams made it difficult for teams. Barcelona has seen it recently. We've seen it in the past. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say one one of that game. Okay, okay. Uh, I'll just go with all three Serie A teams winning. Uh, I think they're all in in spots where they're gonna. Where they're going to win here with, like I said, with Napoli probably having the the biggest tussle of the three teams, um, with 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 what Atset Alkmaar can uh, can bring to the table. Mm-hmm. So, so that's our European thoughts. Uh, go to Atseti Asset down on Twitter or Instagram with your thoughts. And we now wrap up with who won Calcio Twitter. Pot's a little light. I think our Calcio Twitter heads all went on siesta, uh, Richard. But yeah. uh, we we do have a few we can go through. Um, let's, why don't you, uh, I think we're going all the way down to, I'm like scrolling through mine right Art now. I'm really had the first one that I saw from the week. Uh, he, that so is during, the one. Yep. So during all this whole thing, uh, uh, that's for the tweet before. So, uh, his, uh, his buddy from uh, inter posted this picture about Alliance stadium and it's, they're stronger with the 30th title. So he fixed it and changed it to hashtag Stronzi. <laughs> <laughs> nice work there. Nice work there, Art. <laughs> Well done, Art. That uh, is uh, that is very well played. That's actually a work of art. 
yeah. it takes effort. Pardon the pun. <laughs> uh, so, all right, uh, Adriano underscore Calcio, our friends over there from the Calcio guys, Adriano DiNardo. Uh, when you when you pulling up to the podcast with this kit, Gia at the Calcio guys hashtag Who won Calcio Twitter? So Gianni is a Napoli fan, but he also likes Roma. Um, and so they're they're mocking him, obviously putting his last name on it with the kid. <laughs> after Jersey Napoli, after Jersey of Roma. So <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Uh, did Caserta Campagna make another appearance? It looks like he did. Uh, um, and I think he's retweeting uh, Il Protocolo, which is at uh, oh, Luigi yeah, yeah. Potti. Uh, yeah. The Italian is uh, Il Protocolo Comunica che l'audio orsato var fu regolamente inviato al procuratore per Corrado. Il file era contenuto in uno mail con oggetto. Scopri come guadagnare da casa senza sforzo. Tutto fu fatto secondo protocollo, parola di pro protocollo. This says... The protocol communicates that Orsato VAR audio was regularly sent to the prosecutor Pecoraro. The file was contained in an email with the subject. Find out how to make money from home without effort. Yeah. <laughs> Everything was done according to protocol. Protocol word. That's great. That's great. That's well done. Uh, we'd have our first Italian language winner, possibly. We'll see. <laughs> so. I don't know. There's a good competition on this last one. Yep. And the final one is a reset. Uh, from February 29th because it got <laughs> retweeted. Uh, this is from uh, Mark Galliani at AC Maruk, A-C-M-A-R-U-K. Juve winning the Serie again. It is a video of a uh, track runner cheating. Uh, he has the uh, start gun. He gets a 10-yard head start. And while he's trying to win, he's shooting all of the runners, <laughs> trying to keep up with them. And then they bring the finish tape to him. <laughs> this is uh, Sasha Baron Cohen from the, the Dictator movie. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that, that's that's funny. That's, that yeah. is kind of like you. <laughs> yeah. Great stuff. <laughs> Great stuff. Oh, man. And, uh, and definitely relevant. Um, so, yeah. all right. So uh, which one of these wins? Oh man, that's uh, it's difficult. Uh, I definitely like the last one, um, but uh, I might give a, a first-time repeat winner. Um, I'm gonna go with Art Morelli with the uh, Stronzi, uh number thirty-eight. His uh, his a uh, Photoshop job on the event. On the Are we gonna have our first two-time winner? If you go with him, yeah. I I think I have to. I I like it, Art Morelli. Uh <laughs> <laughs> well played, sir, and congratulations on being the first two-time winner of Who Won Kelcho Twitter. Uh, again, and then I'm going to go ahead and retweet that for uh, all the fine people. Um, the Telltale Art, at Art Morelli. I did my best to fix it for them. Instead of stronger, it says hashtag Stronzi. <laughs> so uh, there's effort in that, and uh, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, so congratulations uh, to Art. Um, we have our first two-time winner of Who Won Calcio Twitter. Yeah, yeah, setting the setting the standard high for for the folks. All, All right, right. BD away, Caserta Campagna, 
get on it. Every all these other guys who have won before, uh, get on it. You, you, we have a standard that you now have to uh, live up to. <laughs> um, so, uh, so that's that. And with that, we'll put a bow on this edition of City I Sit Down. Shameless plug time, Richard. Um, yeah, obviously follow the YouTube page here. Um, we put out a recent video of on why Caputo is maybe the, the, the right man for the Azzurri to lead them yes. to the Euros. Uh, so go check that out. And then, uh, yeah, just um, follow follow me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N on uh, anywhere on social media, I guess. so. Awesome. Uh, you can find me. You can see my... Uh, uh, you can see my handle there at FTC underscore 21. If you're watching this on the YouTube channel, uh, again, drop a like subscribe, uh, helps us out big time. We appreciate it. Uh, a sit down can be found. Uh, we have our own channel on Apple podcasts and SoundCloud. We can find Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, anywhere with this podcast, there's Sedia sit down, uh, the YouTube page, as we mentioned, please subscribe, uh, and hit the notification button for whenever we're dropping new videos, uh, and new content, uh, so that, um, you can be informed and you can be up to date with where we're coming from in the yeah. world of Kelcho. I feel um, bad. I feel bad real quick. Cause last time we had a bunch of podcasts that were on the, on the chat and the one, the one, one group I didn't mention was a Calcio guys. So I'm going to give him a shout out cause I feel bad that they were on it. That the one, one group I didn't mention. So ciao guys. Good people. Good people. Absolutely. You went up to vi- you went up to visit them. They, they let did. you in. They let you into their homes, and you yeah, and you right. and you've left them out. That's right. I know. I know. <laughs> Terrible person. I know. <laughs> like typical American. <laughs> <laughs> At City, I sit down on Twitter, Instagram, or uh, check us out on Facebook. We're all over the place on the uh, social media landscape. If you want to get away from uh, your friends' stupid political posts, check out our pages there. Um, and uh, that's that. Uh, we're going to be back Tuesday night, Richard. Yeah, Tuesday night. It's going to be a lot of uh, Serie A action, a lot of big games. Uh, I can't wait. We'll have the first couple of uh, Champions League games in the books as well. So we'll uh, get back together with you guys on Tuesday night. Uh, I've got to go and look into this Milan weekly pod thing a little bit deeper to see if Steve's being serious or if he's had too much of a grappa tonight. Um, invite yourself. Invite yourself. Well, of course. <laughs> so... In any event, I want to thank you all for uh, taking the time to listen to us. And uh, as always, make sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.